You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. Tonight we're going to be looking at two, two episodes of Star Hunter Redux, The Air and the Spare, and just politics. That's episodes, oh, I don't know, 17 and 18 of season two. We'll be starting with The Air and the Spare. Episode synopsis. Marcus is talking to Percy about getting the hyperspace drive working. She doesn't want to because reasons. Then she screws up a repair job to get out of the conversation, then fixes it, somewhat. She retreats to privacy mode in her cabin. They're after a fugitive named Alex Arroyan, a con man who fleeces rich women. Ava Halperin, a Martian justice official, has commissioned the crew of the Transutopian to track him down, bring him to justice. She's really keen to see this happen sooner rather than later. Callie in a dress brings Arroyan to the yard and subsequently to capture Aboard the ship, Ruyan seems to recognize Marcus. Privately, Caravaggio informs Marcus that he is an identical genetic match for Ruyan. They don't look alike because Ruyan has had extensive plastic surgery. Ruyan doesn't really explain, but he says Marcus is in horrible trouble and he should let him go. Two armed ships, controlled by Jaden Surratt, the batty, arrive and demand Ruyan. Ruyan says... That's even worse news for you, Marcus. And he convinces him to take him and escape in a shuttle. Meanwhile, Percy's doing disturbing Percy things. Travis backs his friend and keeps the baddies off their back, at least for a while, as they escape to Sin City. There, the story is told to Marcus. He's the son of the former leader of Europa. Twin sons were fashioned, one to be the heir and the other to be spare parts to the air. Marcus is, um, of course, the spare parts model. When a violent man, the same one chasing them now, overthrew the government, the twins were spirited off in the hopes that one might survive. Surratt captures them, and when they fail to agree to be his figurehead, he gets ready to kill Arroyan, clone him, and grow a new heir, while cutting Marcus's brain out and keeping his body around for reasons that don't hold up to much scrutiny. Travis arrives and threatens to kill them all if they don't turn over Marcus and Arroyan. And Surratt gives them up. Travis and the gang don't bother to turn over Arroyan to the Martian authorities because he's family. In the meantime, Percy has taken a shuttle and left the Transutopian to do some thinking. Should they go after her? Ah, the end. Why, the air in the spare. Yes. What'd you think? I found it to be a fairly enjoyable episode. I've enjoyed most of the episodes toward the end of the second season more than I do most of those toward the beginning of the second season, actually. I, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I admit when I came out of it, I'm like, yeah, got nothing, though. Got nothing to talk about. Now, it, it's why we're doing two. <laughs> the, uh, the good reason to do two, yes. <laughs> but, you know, in the in the two, almost two weeks, I have managed to come up with Five bullet points. So, so we get something. The, the first is just something I want to go back to that I talked about on a couple of episodes ago. And that was with the technology that seems ubiquitous in this universe, it is inconceivable to me that we don't know for certain that Travis is Travis or yes, that Travis isn't Travis. That comes and up, here, yeah. And here, you know, with routine DNA scan, medical scan, when they bring a guy in, they find out he's Marcus's identical twin brother, which just tells me that the first time they put Travis on a medical bed, they, they would know. know. They, they should would know, know who he is and who he is not. Yes, at least who he's not. And it so, valid, therefore, I'm still, I'm still going. I'm still going in favor of he absolutely is Travis Montana because they have not given us any reason to believe that he is not. And they have not given us any reason to believe that they didn't do this routine check. And so, and, and, you know, yeah, Percy does stupid things. So, sure, she might take it on faith and let him fly around on the ship. But it, you know, anybody who says otherwise is, at this stage of the game, lying or a bad plotter. 
So here we go. So that was just it. I wanted to point that one out again. This is just another case for Travis has to be Travis. He cannot be not Travis and and not be a gaping, gaping plot hole. All right. But we'll see. We got the only four more four, episodes, four right? Four left, yes. So there is royalty on Europa. Is there that was. So would that be European monarchy? Europe, Europa, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like, yeah, I, I see. Yeah, the pun on pun on European, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, probably there was, but until the revolution. And so they think that finding another king and they're just going to rise up and put him well, back on the throne. Well, I thought that uh, Jer- um, Seret's rationale was uh, to uh, rule behind the throne and use the puppet king as, as a way to uh, keep people quiet. I, first off, again, I'm having trouble with this. You know, we'll just apply 20th century world structures to this this future that they would fall back into monarchy. And I guess, I mean, it seems to be the progression of history is against that. But it it doesn't really seem fantastic to me. But but typically, typically. When somebody overthrows a monarch and kills them, they have power. Yes. This guy's obviously had power for 20-some years. 25 years. 25 years. And now all of a sudden, he's going to go, here's the rightful king, the new rightful king. He's come back, and he's in, and now I'm going to be the power behind the throne. Nobody's going to be fooled by that. He's, he's got power. <laughs> yeah, they don't like him, but I... I find it hard to believe that the people who don't like his nasty, rotten rule, you know, that seems to be the problem, right? He's a jerk to the people. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to be the popular no, Jerk is putting guy. it nicely. Yeah. So him coming up and still being there with now the new king on the throne is not going to stop the dissidents. That, that's not what's going to take to stop the dissidents. His head on a spike is probably what they need. And so this plan seems to be not not the best unless, you know, Sarat's going to try to adopt a new personality or a new identity and, and be there, maybe. But it you was... Know, it is a bad plan, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and the other thing that strikes me is not, not the most well thought out part of this plan is I've got two identical whatever his real name is I forgot okay. it wasn't well, it wasn't I, Alex I, either I wrote was this it? down Alex was Antony and Dola okay Antony and Dola so they've got two Antony and Dolas there uh, no, and, and no, like... no okay. they're, they're both Dolas and Marcus was Octavius and Dola okay so they gave the two clonish brothers separate names but for the purposes of what he's doing he's got two of them there right, right? He, he's he's got two and at one point he says you know i'm gonna i'm gonna so i'm gonna offer alex the job and if he doesn't take it i'm gonna offer marcus the job and if you don't take it i'm going to kill alex and clone him and i'm gonna keep marcus alive for spare parts and I thought, well, you could just as easily kill Alex, or you could keep Alex alive for spare parts, and you could kill Marcus and clone right. him. One, wouldn't make any difference which one you did it to. Precisely. And the second is, it's going to take another 20 years before he's old enough to be a figurehead. And so by that point, Marcus's organs are going to be 20 years older. Why wouldn't you just clone him twice and use one of them ah, for a spare? Now, let's talk about cloning here. Do you remember the episode? How badly it went. Yes, I do. Where, where, where there was a, and that was the, that was the accelerated cloning. So, yeah. Yeah. So we are looking at Sarah not doing his best planning again. Yeah. But I think the accelerated cloning didn't work very well, did it? No. The, it the, was, it a, was. A minor, a, a minor bruise in the clone died. Yeah. So I assumed he was talking about traditional cloning where he was going to raise a new one because he would kind of have to yeah i i mean you would have to raise him to get him to be his his thing but it just yeah was I mean, it wasn't the greatest 
it was the greatest plan. And again, given the technology available to them, now I have to ask you this question. Yeah. You won't have an answer. We can speculate on it. In this universe where you can do fast cloning, okay? You can. If, if I needed a body part, could I have myself fast cloned and harvest the organ from the fast clone? I mean, would that be so sensitive that if I got a new kidney from myself and that got bruised, I'd die? Or would that be okay? I suppose if in a pinch, the fast clone could work for a spare kidney or whatever. Be, be, be better than nothing, yes. I suppose, maybe. Don't don't punch me in the kidneys. Um, those don't get bruised nearly as often as your skin does. So right. stay, out of, stay out of fist bites with, uh, with private detectives, and uh, you might not get a, a kidney punch. But uh, we're bounty hunters. I, I mean, it's the prince and the pauper, isn't it? Yes, it is, with a nice sci-fi twist. And um, I do have some, I do have notes here that, over that can provide fodder for discussion okay. on the episode. I did, now, um, I know you're going to love this one, but for the next two episodes, um, there is no Percy. Yeah, I was saving yeah. Percy till we were done with Marcus, yeah. but yeah, okay. Yeah, and um, I wondered where Tanya Allen went for two episodes. And I, I this Having is, a baby. This is an educated guess, but I suspect she was going off to film a movie. And uh, called either anyone's game or chicks with sticks. Chicks which... with sticks. Let me wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Canadian chicks with stick hockey. A hockey movie. Yes. Of course it is. <laughs> okay. And what was the other one called? And the alternative name for it is anyone's game. Oh, it's the same film. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say because alternative anyone's game could be hockey too. <laughs> so I can see. It. It is a, which is a fairly amusing little movie from 2004. Uh, this is uh, uh, with the stars, um, let me look at this. Of course, Tanya, uh, it stars Jason Priestley. Okay. Yeah, I can see and, him as one of the chicks and, with sticks. And, 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 and Margot Kidder. It has some fairly oh. big names in it. But yeah. it's um, um, it, it's a sort of, it's a battle of the sexes um, hockey movie with the female team versus the male team, and you can guess how it ends. Of course they can. <laughs> and uh, so which did it actually come out as, or did it go straight to video? It went out to theaters, and um, I have seen the disc um, I watched had, it had anyone's game, but on IMDb, the listing, the title is Chicks with Sticks. Hmm. I, I, that shocks me that they went with anyone's game. That is such a generically yes. boring title. Um, AK, chicks with stick is like clickbait. AKA hockey mom. So there you go. <laughs> that's that's what it was known as in soccer uh, in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's like we don't have soccer moms here. It would be a football mom for starters, right. and it wouldn't yeah. be a football mom. It'd be a hockey mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tam Williams, who played okay. Alex. Uh, I, well, I looked him up on IMDb, and his first IMDb credit is he was he had an uncredited role, a non-speaking part, as a schoolboy in episode one of Remembrance of the Daleks. Let's see, Remembrance of the Daleks is the one at Totters Lane, right? Yes, it is. No, that yes, okay. In fact, I I pulled that I pulled out that disc today and watched that. Ep- watch that episode to find the part, and it's at the beginning where the school children, the, where the school students are passing by. Yeah. He also more recently played Money Penny's boyfriend, Inspector. Don't know if you saw that one. Uh of course, but yeah. uh, I don't remember Money Penny having a boyfriend. But okay, James Faulkner, who has a, a good look and good voice to play a villain. Um, played Serret. He um, did you see uh, the Martian Chronicles? Um, has there been one more recent than the one on television in the seventies? That, that, that's the one I mean. Oh, yeah, I saw the one in the seventies. Yeah, he he was in that one. I got to say, I saw that in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, so I remember Rock Hudson. Yes, um, who, uh, and and Carl Polchak, I believe, was in that as well. Yes, he, yes, he was. Uh, James Faulkner played Mister K. And um, under makeup, of course. 
Yeah. And he also was in Game of Thrones. Okay, I have not seen that one. And he seems to be another of I, but he seems also to be, a, from his IMDb page, he seems to be a fairly busy character actor on both sides of the pond. Okay, fair enough. I, I will say this. Uh, I was very I, genuinely impressed, okay? And I don't say that very often, okay. but I was genuinely impressed with something on Star Hunter Redux, yeah. and that was the guy playing Alex had the exact same build as Marcus. Yeah, he will got that. It's about the same height too. I noticed. I mean, you I, you could believe those two were twin brothers, except for the face. Yes, they had the right they had the right build, the right height, the right everything. That was like you hired the right guy. Doesn't matter whether he can act. You hired the right guy, and he was all right. But I mean, he he really looks like they they cast him to be a body double for exactly for Mark. So, uh, points on that instead of him being, you know, a foot and a half taller and... <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I was looking at that. Like, yeah, I could see, uh, except for some for some work done, yeah, that, you know, you could could, could have been uh, quite feasibly a twin, yes. I think he was, I think he was trying to do the physicality as well. Yeah. Um, not, you know, not as... Uh, not as successful as as two people who'd grown up together, but uh, it, I, yeah, it was that that was good. They did that well. Yes, and let's see, uh, Vic, uh, Victoria Edelman, who was um, the spurned Martian officer. Um, as when I looked up her credits on IMDb, and she's a character actress, and then um, I saw that she had a credit in Forever Night in the second season. And I just finished watching the whole series, and I noticed that um, I looked up the episode, and she played a spur. In that one, she played a spurned wife who killed her husband. <laughs> okay, I guess spurned. Yeah, um, you know, you know what what crossed my mind on watching that was she seemed, well, honestly, stereotypically too interested in catching him before we found out yeah. that she was actually yeah. So I mean, they were telegraphing that. And then when it came out, I'm like, are there no conflict of interest rules anywhere there have to in be. this universe? Because you would not allow her to be in charge of obtaining and securing this guy. She, she's probably spent more money on this than is allocated because she really wants him. And, you know, it just who knows what else is going wrong when they turn him over to her. Is That's she a good point really going to take him into custody or is she going to try to woo him back uh, or you know I thought we had something and then fall for it again because she didn't strike me as that that's definitely time to walk away and let somebody else do the the management of, of bringing yeah. him in that's a valid point and what I know about the Martian Federation government and within the series is that it's not big on ethics yeah we may see that, yeah, sooner than there. Any of the thing. Yes, yeah. the writer, the writer is Stephen Lowe. Okay, this is his only credit for this series. I'm looking at his IMDb page right now. In this list, 36 credits on Coronation Street. Okay, and he um, he also and I'm granted these are a number of that's the only about the only series here I recognize. I guess on. English TV series. Um, mm -hmm. He apparently was an actor in the 1958 movie A Night to Remember. Kind of fun to know. Yeah. The the director it, it was Colin Buxy. And there's an we have encountered his work. He um, to get to a shoe fetish. He what he directed Becoming Shiva. That's the one where we had the episode with Travis's feet sticking out. Is that yes, right? and you notice yeah. you noted you noticed. Um, yeah, that was the thing there. Yes. The uh he directed Torment mm -hmm. with Rodolfo's daughter. Episode. Yeah. Painless drug episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh Su yeah. Supermax <laughs> Redux Redux. A Stitch in Time. Uh-huh. And he directed um an uh, one of the remaining four episodes. Okay. We have yet to review. All right. Uh just I'm not crazy about the direction that any of them are doing, but it okay. didn't. This one didn't bother me too much. Uh, well, 
there is one thing that continually bothers me, but I think it's just an overall, it's an overall thing. Uh, we'll see it again. And that is, they just don't know what to do when it comes to repairing a spacecraft. There's just way too much of grabbing two cables and jamming them together things and go, oh, that's how we fix stuff. And I'll, we'll have more of that in the next one too. Yes. And the one, and the one after that. Yeah. And it's been an ongoing thing. So Percy's descent into madness. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta tell you that, you know, for, for however long we've been recording these, um, years it feels, um, probably has actually been years. October, um, 2019. So pre-pandemic, yeah, we so you have teased the that Percy finally having that breakdown. There it is. And this was the most anticlimactic breakdown I can imagine. <laughs> I was I was like, wait, this might be this might be it. This might be the breakdown. This is just Percy operating as usual, except she sort of realizes finally that she's not normal it's like maybe okay and alex alex sees it immediately well sure everyone sees that yeah. she's a basket case immediately right, yeah. so i mean except marcus obviously because free but uh yeah I, I i i do like i do like where caravaggio asks her i forgot what the exact wording was but like are you aren't you waiting for dante Oh, that was and um, that was Marcus. Was Marcus the one that asked her that? Yes, yes. I have I have it marked down that Caravaggio said something to that effect. Well, Marcus I, Marcus uh, said Marcus ins, ins, insinuated that it would be more if she really wanted to find Dante, she would have to get into hyperspace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she goes back right. But then she goes back to Caravaggio like, and she says, "What are your plans, Car?" Yeah, okay, I understand. What and you're he about says, that. "I haven't got any." And says, "Yours aren't. You're not waiting for Dante." Oh, I understand what you mean now. Yes. Okay. So two characters made a similar yeah statement. Yeah. Um. And it just and that was the one that hit her. I felt like that was the one that struck her. I was like, "Well, yeah. What am I doing here?" And uh, and she left. And honestly. When she left, I kind of thought, should I go back and look and see if she was pregnant? Because she has been kind of sidelined, you know, which suits me just fine. But she's been kind of sidelined from the action and always kind of buried somewhere in, in scenes with her sketch. I'm like, you know, maybe they've been hiding a pregnancy and they just couldn't hide it anymore. <clears throat> but a movie plan works just as uh, just as believably it doesn't feel like we've been building up to this breakdown it feels like just came on that you just came on and they decided to use it and go finally let's let's take her out for however long i i know she'll be back before it's over but i was i was very much well we'll talk about the next episode in a little bit so how what, yeah. what i thought was going to happen in that in that episode. Well, uh, um, well if we get to um, a point you were just mentioning, if Tanya Allen is uh, one of the more private people to have uh, to have an, an IMDb page, mm -hmm. and uh, well, I respect that. I, I have no problem with people having their private lives and keeping those private. So if you, I'm not sure what was going in her private, going on in her private life, and really that's not my business, but I my best guess is just based on the evidence that she went off to make a movie and that with a cast being expanded in the second season mm -hmm. that it make that makes sense that since she would have less screen time yeah no i i i don't have anything i don't have anything for it it was one of those things like when she was obviously going to be written out for a while i i kind of thought you know, now I'm looking back on it going, yeah, she has been off to the side. I never noticed the scene where she's, you know, standing behind chairs, which is the classic sitcom right. move to hide hide the pregnancy of a character. She's on a trip or, or whatnot. So, yeah, not saying I have anything on that. It's just, you know, I wouldn't be honestly, I wouldn't be thinking that if it were Clive uh, Robertson, you know, I wouldn't go, oh, he was just pregnant. But, yeah, I'm afraid with with. 
Tanya Allen, who is the right age and probably has the right equipment, and that's the thing that happens. So, but yeah, I and and I admit it never occurred to me she got another job. So, uh, but it it's obviously she did. So, perfectly perfectly willing to accept the explanation that okay. she just had a movie position. Um, that whole subplot was just and and really worked. For me, I mean, it was just kind of some time killing where Percy mumbles, ignores people, and and talks. So again, it, it just doesn't. If she's got a character arc, it's not it's not flying for me. It 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 just isn't in there. Well, there are four episodes. Well, yeah, there are five. There are five episodes after this one, so we'll see. Yeah. And one of those is a flashback episode, if I am not mistaken. A clip show, yes, yes. So we've got three. Or four, I guess. Though I, I don't watch modern television, so I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe you have a better idea. Do people still make clip shows? I'm going to guess the answer to that is no, since most shows only run about 12. To, right. You know, or they, they do half seasons. So I, I think the pressures of a clip show are budget and meeting the number of episodes on a production schedule. And I think it's less prevalent. I'm not saying they don't do it. Uh, they absolutely still do it on Ultraman. Oh. Uh, even even the most modern and they only run 22 episodes, you're going to get two guaranteed, maybe three. And that is annoying. Um, so they do it in other countries. They yeah. don't. Yeah, the most. You, know, most, the most you watch something like The Expanse or something, they're, they're, it's plotted out for the whole season. Yeah. So there really isn't room or need for clip show. Oh, good. Well, the most annoying was, you had the second season of Poltergeist, The Legacy, where people had two clip shows back to back. That that show went two seasons? It went, it went four. Whoa. I just can't see that being on par with Friday the 13th with Roby. <laughs> well, Roby was probably the best, was actually a great part, part of that show. Of that show, yeah. yes, it was. That's true. <laughs> okay. But we digress. Okay. Do you have anything else on this particular episode, or we'll roll on to... No, let's go on to Just Politics. Just Politics, all right. Episode synopsis of Just Politics. The Transutopian has got troubling cargo, and Travis doesn't like it. They're transporting Martian Trade Minister Coldzig on a secret mission. It's all very hush-hush and very high-paying. Upon seeing him, though, Rodolfo is immediately disturbed. Gaynor Sean immediately establishes herself as a baddie by uploading a program to Caravaggio that causes him to see and identify her as the absent Percy Montana. Sean now, effectively, has full control of the ship without anyone knowing it. Rodolfo struggles with identifying where he's seen the trade minister before, unaware that he's being hampered by the tampering done to Caravaggio, while Marcus takes a shine to Jofi Henrik, the minister's aide. Her dad was an engineer. She flirts her way into Marcus's heart and engines. He keeps detecting problems with Caravaggio, but diagnostic after diagnostic shows him to be operating normally. Durkot, the second member of the minister's security squad, breaks into someone's quarters, and Caravaggio apologetically murders him. His body is later found in his own quarters, dead of an apparent heart attack. Caravaggio, of course, can find no other cause of death. Marcus and Jofi, who is sticking to him like suspicious glue, have discovered an anomaly in Caravaggio, and when they go to the core of Caravaggio to investigate, they are zapped by his defense systems, killing Jofi. Travis is unhappy about all the deaths on his ship. They arrive at the destination, the Mannheim Asteroid Belt, where Kolzig conducts some not-at-all-suspicious 30-second-long trade negotiations with Reisner, a miner on one of the asteroids. According to Kolzig, the negotiations failed. So sad, but that's the way it is in politics. That was a long trip for nothing. Gaynor, however, bugged the conversation and has confirmed that Kolzig is actually conspiring against the Martian president in an effort to take over. Reisner is his confederate, and this was just the opportunity to transfer funds to Reisner. Rudolfo remembers who Kolzig is. He's a bad guy, and... He's going to take him into justice. When Gaynor, with a tacit approval of the Martian president, destroys the asteroid and puts the Transutopian on self-destruct, locking the others out of the computer systems. As the clock winds down, 
Callie disables the shuttle, but Kaner is attempting to leave on, in the hopes that she'll stop the auto's destruct sequence. She can't do it, so Callie kills her in a fistfight. Marcus cannot override the damage done to Caravaggio, so finally, Travis talks Caravaggio out of destroying them. It's all's well that ends well as the crew contemplate blackmailing the Martian president for their fee. The end. All right, just politics. I might add that none of this was just politics. <laughs> no. This was not politics. This was conspiracy and crime. But, okay. Well, the title, of course, the title, of course, comes from the final scene where it's, people say just politics. Despite that being crime also. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's it. By the way, That's the president a, yeah, yeah. is Moreland. President Moreland, okay. Well, you know, they're terraforming Mars, so... So they are making more land. Yeah. I can't believe I got two puns oh, in, in, in right two. Puns. That's like bad. Man. Yes. Yes. And um and Kolzig's real name was Carter was excuse me, Carter Birkin. And it was I did notice that this is another episode in which Rudolfo is perceptive and useful. Yes, not not useless as Often he he does his thing, although admittedly, again the structure is a little bit weird. It's Rudolfo not telling anybody or interacting with anybody once he gets on his little his little thing, and sitting around in his cabin doing doing his thing. You know, it it right. it kind of it kind of has that um it kind of has that Doctor Light feel to it. Like maybe they recorded a lot of his shots in one day to let him, you know, work on chicks with sticks or something. But uh he wasn't a he wasn't a supporting cast on that, was he? But let me see. Ah, I can see him up. out there on the ice cracking No, it. He, he was not in that movie, no. Um but let me see here. I'm looking at his IMDB page. In two thousand well where he could have been guest starring in an episode of some other series. I see that in 2004, he was in a few other series. I, I I feel like it's more likely a production. You know, they, they've got too many people right. on the cast, so they've got a sideline, and, you know, they they can get them in, and, and I don't know how they, what their pay contracts are like, but uh, it, it yeah, I, I think it was more of a logistical thing and just for the plot, but uh, it, it did, it did have a sort of Rodolfo isolated feel. Yeah. To it. So I alluded to this. It could just be bad direction. There are. But they travel all the way out to the Mannheim belt for a trade negotiation, which I am going to get this trade negotiation. And they go, well, let's go private into my office. They walk into his office. The door closes. He's like, here's the money. Okay. Well, remember, we're gonna don't give him the or. All right, fine, great. The president will never know. Ha ha. Should I call you, Mister President? Yep. Nope. Okay. Let's go. And then they leave. They could have stuck around a few minutes and made it look good. It made it look like he actually traveled all this way for something other than just. Hey, look, we'd like to do a trade deal. No deal. Okay. Sorry. I guess. I guess that was a wasted trip. Unbelievable. Right. Absolutely. Un, not at all remotely credible. And, you know, the president should be shouting at him. What do you mean you gave up after 30 seconds? What, what kind of trade negotiator are you? It's like, you're, you're, you're fired. That's, you're, 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 that, you're in the that cabinet. Bad. Do better than this. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, maybe they hung out in his cabin for a few hours. I don't know. But the way it's shot and filmed, it does um, actually, kind of have that 30-second no, feel. It, it's close. Well, maybe maybe closer to a minute and a half, but still. Um, yeah. It, but the yeah, other people coming back to realizing, well, that, that was quick. Oh. Uh, yeah. And not at all suspicious. Not at all. No, of course not. Um, except Marcus picked up on it. It's like, you came, you came all the way out here, and now we're going all the way back yeah. after that. Yeah. I mean, it's your money, but... You spent 300,000 credits to get us out here yeah. for that. You could have done that on the phone. Yes, exactly. I know. It's uh, Kolzig or Slash Birkin was um, not thinking clearly here. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Um, 
We get a mention of Hellstone. Yes, pay attention to the negative energy. The, yeah. the power yeah. source that's going to come up. I I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and say there is a Hellstone asteroid. Okay, and we kind of get a look at it. It looks weird, doesn't it? It does. It does look weird, and they blow it up into a lot of manageable sized pieces. And at no point does anyone go, maybe we should just grab one of those chunks. We want some of that stuff. They have the technology. There's, there's no mining claim there now. So, uh, and we can call it evidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so they could have gotten there. They could have gotten their negative energy stone right there. And clearly Marcus knew what it was all about. So, uh, that was a little bit of a... Even if they didn't go right there, they could have gone right back and gotten it because right. it's still going to be wandering around. In the area. Yeah, uh, for a long time to come. Yep. Good point. I picked a... Um, Jofi immediately recognized what I've known since earlier in the season, which is that Marcus likes Percy. Oh, it, well, yeah. 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 Um, Marcus likes anything. Marcus... A, a skirt. It could yeah. wear a skirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the way he um, spoke of the ship as being like the baby he and Percy had, mm -hmm. kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah. And she's awfully suspicious. You know, she is. She is sticking to him like stink on a skunk, and she knows too much about the crew and Percy, particularly of Percy. And they're they're clearly setting her up as a red herring. Yeah, it's sure. kind. I don't know. It's kind of hard to believe that she was as interested in Mercus as she appeared to be. Just oh, my dad was in. Oh God, there's a psychological problem if ever I heard one. My dad was a ship's engineer too. So I like you. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not the Oedipus complex, but I'm sure there's a term for it. And it's very similar. And uh, that, and of course, you know, she was doing the diagnostics on Caravaggio and saying, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And you could, as an audience member, be looking at that going, that's because she knows he's not fine, right? She, right. she is she is covering up on that. And, and then that turned out to be not true. And she wound up dying. Yeah. Yes, I'd say the actress, it was Carrie Siegel. And I'm looking. I'm looking at her IMDb page here. She looked familiar, but yes, she uh, her IMDb credits as an actress start in 1985 and end in 2004. She was in and she was in. I'm going to see what we may have done here. She was in an episode of Goosebumps. I don't know if you saw that one. No, no. Um, she was in. She was in four episodes of a series called Ramona in 1988. As she was in a miniseries called Family Pictures in 1993, she was in the famous Jet Jackson in 2000. She was in, in the pilot for Leap Years in 2001. She was in the Crypt Club in 2004. That was, that was a short film. She was in a short film called Jew Jew. I mean, this Jew Jew lives. Um. And she was in a documentary called True Crimes, The First 72 Hours in 2004. After that, she seems to have stopped screen acting. And her only other IMDb credit is that she's the video and computer playback operator on the Buck Calder experience in 2006. That's odd, uh, odd credit, but all right. Fair enough. I don't says doesn't sound like I actually recognize her from somewhere. But anyway, she was uh, so. Uh, all right, help me with some plot points here. Okay. Help me with some plot logic here. Do I? Koldzik, which I'm going to call in that because the other name doesn't matter. It's Koldzik. Um, Koldzik is a con man. He's apparently worked with the Morlands to get him in power. Yes. Okay. But he is, in fact, working towards being his own successor being to the Morland. president. Yes, Moreland. Okay. Sean is loyal to the president. Yes, yes. So she is an undercover operative working against Colsey. 
Yes, she okay? is. Okay, she's she's suspicious of him, and she contacts the president and says, "Yes, I've confirmed he's he's uh, he's crooked." What was Durkot doing that got him killed? And and who does Durkot work for? Is Durkot loyal and doesn't loyal to Mars and doesn't know that Kolzig's a bad guy, or is he a henchman to Kolzig and therefore working against John and the president? Because I couldn't tell what what he did. I couldn't even tell whose room he broke into. Yeah, it was. Although subsequently, I'm thinking it's Sean's, but I'm not sure. I'm not honestly. sure either because the room where he died was not the room where people found the body. So presumably, right. people found him in his room. Right. So he was breaking into somebody's room, and they never made. They should have made it clear whose room yes. he was breaking into. Exactly. And but they did not. Apparently, he was work. I don't have a good answer for you because there's not one in the episode. The, okay. But the uh, apparently he was working against Sean's interest. Okay. And the the second question is Dofi. Same thing. Is she just an innocent pawn who's just working it as an aide to a Martian minister and she gets caught up in this? I or think so. is she on one side of the agenda too or the other? I take and, Jofi to be exactly what she looks like, which is she's this cute, innocent tech geek. And she gets killed and Marcus doesn't because... She's the guest star. That's, that, yeah, I was going to say, that's how Caravaggio's defense system works. I can't kill uh, a non-guest star. It, it seems like it was Marcus that was the one that was doing the thing that triggered the the thing, right? Yes, it was. So you'd think Marcus would be the one that took the brunt of it, but apparently not. And so I'm halfway wondering if they were both stunned, and then Sean came in and killed Sophie, or had Garavaggio kill her afterwards. I couldn't tell, because it just didn't make it. Her death was senseless and, and didn't accomplish anything, and didn't seem to be driven by, at least at least Durkotz was driven by something that happened. Oh, you're getting too close to a truth we don't want you to know. Somebody's truth anyway. Right. I mean, he might have been breaking into the minister's room, but that didn't make much sense. So, I, I, or he might have been breaking into Travis. I thought he was breaking into Travis's room or, or Callie's room, you know, no, a member I, of the I, crew. I've seen Callie's room. It has, it looks different. Well, working on the assumption that they don't change it from one episode to the yeah. next. But yeah, it, I mean, the rooms are all... The same I'm sure model. they're all the same room. Yeah, just redressed. Right, exactly. So it was it was just kind of I don't know what's I don't know what's going on here. It's just for a mystery to find. That was uh, well, let's talk about writing then. Yeah. The writer for this was David T. Riley. Riley. I've heard that name before. He wrote two episodes we have seen already. This is his uh this is the his third of three. He um, also wrote The Prisoner mm, okay, and Rivals. Okay. Well, you know what I can say for him? At least he didn't write Kate. Oh, and, my uh, God. <laughs> That's, there's something to say there. And I actually corrected myself at one point and just to, within, this, within this recording session that um, in this regard, this pertains to the director. The director in, um, for Just Politics is Roger Gartland. And the big uh, shoe focus was in Starcrossed, originally. Remember that one when, or with the uh, earlier in the, in the season? And uh, there was a, as I did notice, uh, Sean's shoe prominently in this episode. <laughs> I gotta get the shoe. We we had to pay money for those shoes. I want right. them in the shot. Yeah, those course, are space course, shoes. She, she she was she was on the bed and here had she had the communication device on the bed and it was right by her boots apparently. <laughs> and um, he uh, Gartland also directed Chasing Janus. Okay, the third thing. Uh huh. Uh huh. A Stitch in Time, and three episodes that are coming up: License to Fill, Hyperspace One, and Hyperspace. Two, please, 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 please let license to fill be the clip show. It is. Oh, okay. <laughs> I give him. I'll give him points for the title. <laughs> well, I, I read the title uh, for license to fill, and I uh, automatically I start thinking of the theme song to the second Timothy Dalton James Bond film. Yeah. Yep. Uh, everyone should. 
Everyone should. <laughs> yeah. I do have Tina a, Turner. Yeah. Was that Tina Turner? Okay. I believe so. Anyway, they I do have a question about the passage of time. Okay. Thirty how, seconds to a how, minute and a half. And how long it takes <laughs> to get from point A in the solar system to point B in the solar system. Yeah. And for example, at the end of this episode, we get two pieces of information. Number one, apparently uh, Caravaggio killed two people within 24 hours, the previous 24 hours. And then still... we, we also get that it will be uh, two days to Ganymede orbit. Uh-huh. Uh, I, well, remembering that uh, the planets are always moving. Yeah. Closer and further. Exactly. There are different places. So I'm just curious. I, well, uh, that could be good universe a- a- explanation. Also, you thinking. It would be really handy. What? Hyperspace. Yeah, it would. I'll be coming up in hyperspace one and two. Spoiler. Yeah, faster than light drive. That would be, that'd be yeah. a handy doggone thing. Yeah. Exactly. But I was just thinking about that. Of course, the planets are not all lined up like dominoes, obviously. But it's just, I was thinking about that. Like, they got, uh, Crystal, you're saying, like, two days ago they were at Mars. Uh-huh. And now they're uh, over, now they're on the far end of the solar system. Okay. And now now it's 48 hours to 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 Ganymede in, 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 in the Jupiter system. I just wonder what the relative location of these planets is at any given time. I, I, I don't think they've given the slightest thought to this whatsoever i i think they operate at the speed of plot i would you know i would like to see obviously it's boring right slow space travel is boring if it's going to take you if it's going to take you months to get somewhere that's doable i mean in, in human terms that's doable but it's boring from tv terms right and uh, you know again throwing this back to the expanse and, and particularly back to the books you know, these transits have practical limits to them. How fast you can travel for, for the, you know, the accelerate out, the accelerate and decelerate on the last half of the trip. So there's a, there's a limit to what the body can physically withstand. And so they have month long transits. They just, you know, skip over it. They, they mention it, they talk about it, but then they, don't bother with it unless they've got some character development going on in the in transit somewhere along the way. But um, uh, yeah, there, there's no there's no lot rhyme or reason to what they're uh, they're doing on this uh, in terms of how long it takes them to get from point A to point B. And again, it makes absolutely no sense. What? Why? Actually, let's go with this one. Why did they want to use Travis Montana's ship? Slip. I know what she said. I know because the bounty hunter can slip slip out. But I don't know. It's like it's like it just really doesn't. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, it kind of doesn't make sense from the standpoint of of uh, Koldzik, who is doing something shady. So you know, involving a, a third party is kind of iffy. Yeah. And and then the president doing this, or or Sean doing this again, involving a third party seems a little especially for a negotiation that's going to last, you know, a minute. And uh, we'll split the difference. Instead of a minute and a half, we'll call it a minute. Because, I mean, there was pleasantries, right? There's, right. would you like something to drink? Please sit down. <laughs> like, and then, and then we're on to, uh, can we have your stuff? No. All right. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't quite, none of it rang true. And, of course, all of it seemed to be, the whole thing predicated on the fact that Percy wasn't there. Yes. Right? A major it, part. It, a major part of it is the absolute coincidence that Percy isn't there, that they decide to use this ship and that they know that this ship doesn't have Percy there, which led me to two things. The first was that P- Percy was their prisoner, which is how they knew that Percy wasn't there and that they got wind of the transutopian. Oh, we've captured Percy and uh, she got the ship and we now know we can take over the computers and all that stuff falls into place if Percy is in their is in their grips. And then 
The second thing about Percy that surprised me in this episode, and it's the one I wanted to get to, was I really expected her to fly in at the end of the episode in the shuttle with the auto-destruct cancellation code, shouting it over the radio to Caravaggio, now car, 227714, Percy! And then, yay, Percy saves the dick. But no, she didn't even get that. We, we get Travis pulling the, the lamest Kirk ever. I, I don't even have a good reason for you not to destroy us, Carr, but maybe you can think of one. Oh, okay. Kalis, self-destruct cancel. You should have tried that earlier. <laughs> I know. And I'll just um, have to choose my words carefully here, so here we go. I shall say there was, there was an in-universe reason as to why Percy did not come in with the with the auto-destruct cancellation code, and you will find out in two episodes. Okay, fair enough. And uh, and I did allude to it in the last section when we were talking about uh, the air and the spare. Uh, I have said repeatedly, I detest, absolutely detest, Percy's engineering practices. Throughout the entire series, she rips stuff out, throws it on the floor. She tears wires out of the wall and starts hot wiring them together. That ain't how it works. That's not how it works now. That's absolutely unbelievable then. And I hate it. And it the only thing that I can take out of it is, is that Percy just doesn't know what she's doing. Or the directors are so incompetent that they have no way of conveying this information to the audience. And annoyed me beyond belief that that's exactly what Marcus did in this episode. I'm going to tear some wires out of the ceiling and start crossing the phone wires. It just... Ah! I'll just... Okay, I'll say this then. Uh, There's a character in the next episode with whom you will agree. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) I've been waiting for one of those. Actually, no, I sometimes agree with Travis. So, uh... So he's, he's got that going. Um, yeah, it, it just is a, it's a very poor, it's a very poor way. I think it's a very poor way for the director to <clears throat> convey this. Um, maybe it literally says that in the scripts. I don't know. You know, they, they rip some wires out of the wall and start cross-connecting them, but it just isn't a convincing, you know, you think about it. Could you do anything, anything useful? in your own PC right now by tearing wires out and starting to to try to cross-connect them. No. Yeah. You couldn't have done that when this show was made. Honestly, you could you could have slightly done that when PCs came out in the 80s. There were some things that uh, I used to have a roommate who had been an engineer at Texas Instruments, and he would go in and do mods to your PC with wire like he would he would uh uh wire on a uh a ground fault switch to a to a timing chip which could which could in old pcs didn't have a reset switch so you could induce a reset switch on the we drill up we drill a switch in the front of the pc a little a momentary press button and wire that into to one of the pins on one of the i think it was on the cpu that was his area not mine and so you could do, there were things you could do with a little bit of wire, but you still wouldn't rip things out and like try to cross connect stuff. It just, it, it's just not. That, that's what you do to a 1950s car. <laughs> um, and it, it bothers me every time I see it. So they, they should just, when they do that, they should just destroy stuff. That, that's what's really happening. They're just destroying electronics. They're putting the wrong voltage in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's not reprogramming anything. It's not overriding programming. It's not doing anything like that. It's just breaking things. And uh, especially the way they do it, you know, which is without any regard for logic or procedure. It's like, we'll tear it out and start uh, this one and that one. And, uh... Oh, yes, I have one... Wait, over. Wait, I have one more point about this episode. Okay, which is uh, the episode does not explicitly indicate this, but I have get I have inferred from it that Sean and Kolzig are in the brig. Well, okay, no, no. Again, could be incompetent directing, but 
Callie, Callie and Sean fought, and Callie laid her out, and she's lying there, eyes dead open. She said, whatever she said to her, it's like, but that was, that was death stare, not I've been knocked unconscious. All right. Then how about Kolzik? Kolzik, I think they just locked him up. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall anything that would have got him killed in the course of that episode. I know they said we have the bodies to prove it, but I think they meant Durkot, Jofi, and Sean. They didn't say how many. And and you know what 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 are the if 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 Kolzik's not dead what are they going to do with him? Yeah, that's a good question. Moreland, uh, according to Callie, is a softy by Martian standards, but we're talking about a man who is willing to have people killed to protect his career. Which you know, are they actually going to try to blackmail him Probably. for their money? That is the implication. Exactly. It, it's, it's spoken out loud. That's what we we should do. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing Travis would do. Um, you know, I mean, he's 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 uh, riddled, he's burdened with a conscience, and really, if the Martian president thought you were blackmailing him, wouldn't you end up dead? He's obviously got people on staff that can do that. So that was a little off. And if they turn over. If they turn over Kolzig to wherever it was that Rudolfo's family got killed. Mons Settlement. Mons Settlement. That's Mars, though, wouldn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. That would that would be still Mars. For justice, then the president's thing comes out, or he blackmails the president into letting him go. So, yeah, it's, it's my guess it is, is problematic. He, my guess is he's going to whatever the Martian equivalent of Guantanamo Bay is. Is but, uh, but you know, they could, they could arrive at Mars and contact the Mar Mons settlement, the police there and say, Hey, we got your fugitive. And, uh, what's the, what's the bounty on him and get paid off. Right. Probably before the president would know. And then, and it's probably too late. Yeah, fair question. I did also notice the common connective tissue between these two episodes, which is that at the end of um, The Air and the Spare, the Transutopian was going to Mars. And when Jurassic Politics opened, they were at Mars. I have my doubts that's planned, but why not? Yeah. So while they were there, and apparently Eva was mad, but the president Moreland had a um, had a job for them. Had another job for him, yeah, yeah. It's 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 possible. I mean, they're 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 frequently on Sin City, Io. Yes. There are certain stops. Station. Where, where so I mean, there are certain places where they just go all the time. Yeah. So, do you have anything else on this episode? I do not. The next two episodes. Episodes 19 and 20 of season two of Star Hunter Redux are Negative Energy and License to Fill. All right, then, Kenneth, thanks for joining me. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol or patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at fusionpatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusionpatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the crime travel episode, Sins of the Father. When we discuss massively violating the chain of evidence, the well-known Stockholm guidelines on hostage situations, and getting to the point where a show can't be bothered with an in-show explanation for obvious plot contrivances. Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.
Also, don't forget that between now and April 7th, 2023, over at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol, we're running our special series on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Check it out.